I'm now a lot more comfortable with who I am. I'm, I, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, I know what I need to continue to work on. I think finding your own leadership style um, and one that is authentically you, one that, that I've been able to do that. Um, so yeah, I've worked out who I am and I've been able to find the leadership style that, that works for me. Hi Humans of Ag listeners, Ollie is running around this week in Western Australia, so if we haven't met, my name's Maya and I'm here to introduce this week's episode. Last week, Ollie recorded this conversation out in the sunshine, in a beach chair, on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge First Nations Australians as the original storytellers and pay our respects to all past, present and emerging. This chat is with Angus Street, CEO of Auctions Plus. He and Ollie talked all things business, his winding career path, family, how important it is to work on yourself, and Ollie even gave Angus a little bit of feedback. So we hope you enjoy their chat. Where do we start, Angus? Over to you. So many different ways we can go. Ollie leave. over <laughs> to you. I, there were so many, so many ways that I reckon this conversation could go and so that excites me but I think what I want to do over the next few podcasts is explain to the person why I want to chat to them and because I think for you, I, well I was driving west the other day yep. and I got to the spot, exact spot where I remember I was listening to you on the Beef Australia podcast maybe two and a half years ago yeah. and you were, it was this analogy, and oh, I know the spot on the road, you were talking near the Trangy gin uh, there, yeah. and I was listening, and you are talking about this, sometimes in your life and your career, you need to, you start climbing a ladder, and then actually you need to move, walk back down the ladder, and change move it somewhere walls, else, yeah, and yeah. move it elsewhere, and so that conversation led me to then reaching out to you, and chatting about kind of, it was Humans of Ag two and a half years ago, it was also very different to what it is today, but still the exact same at the core of sharing people's stories and trying to connect people. And I was fortunate to work with you and be coached by you in my role at Auctions Plus. And so I was just, you're someone who I wanted to talk to and get on the podcast for a long time. So it's great to sit down with you. Thanks, Holly. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an honour to be here. Uh, you see the, uh, the high calibre of individuals that you've had over the last, you know, three to four years and... Um, you know, you're doing a terrific job following your passion and your purpose. And um, but yeah, it's 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 a real honour to to be invited. Um, I don't know what I've got to share. Uh, um, so, but I'm sure you'll pick my brain and and be able to pull some nuggets of gold out of there. Um, maybe there there's some diamonds that need to be to be sharpened and, <laughs> and, and polished. Um, but I'll leave that to you and and the listeners. That we'll see how we go. I think. Firstly, I thought I'd channel my inner Angus Street and ask a couple of questions straight off the bat. <laughs> Firstly, though, how are you? I'm good, Ollie. Um, it's been a big year. Uh, we're 10 days till Christmas. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited to kind of uh, wrap up a huge 2022. Uh, it's been a year of, I think, um, of, of uncertainty, um, it's been a year of change, um, some positive, um, and some of it's probably been, you know, a bit of a hangover from, you know, the lockdowns over the last two years. So I think, um, no, I'm, I'm really good. Looking for, forward to a holiday, um, and I know the holiday will kick me into gear for 2023. So if you were to choose just three words to describe 2022, what would they be? 
tough, uh, fun, and joyous. I love that. Yeah, I think, um, look, there's been some, uh, I think as a sector um, and, and a business within the ag sector, there's certainly um, some headwinds that have come our way. You know, like there's a lot of, uh, from a market's point of view, there's a recalibration of, of livestock prices that we've seen over the last 12 months. Um, I know FMD and um, lumpy skin disease also kind of created a fair bit of uncertainty and, and nervousness in the sector. Um, I think interest rate increases. I think, um, you know, the cost to farm is going up, the increases in petrol prices. I think, yeah, look, there's, there's been... Um, there's been a lot of things thrown at us as a as a sector and then as a business within that sector we've kind of had to absorb and, and adapt those um, but I think fun because you know as a business we're always running um, and and we're always kind of taking those challenges on um, fun also because I'm, I'm slowly working out how to f- find a little bit of life work-life balance um, or or harmony, probably not balance, but work-life harmony, uh, and then joyous because like life's good, you know. We're we're sitting um, in the sun um, in December. Normally it'd be raining, which is great. Um, my family's healthy. Um, the kids are growing up. My wife's doing amazing things with with her business. Um, I've got an incredible team of people around me. Um, you know, my family's healthy, so. Yeah, I have to say a fair bit of joy reflecting on the last 12 months after, you know, I think a really difficult two to two and a half years with COVID and lockdowns. And so, yeah, I'd say joy. Well, I think there's plenty for us to unpack there. Before we get too serious in it, though, you're, I'm going to say an average singer, which I feel is like a bit of a kick. <laughs> we know you're an office singer. <laughs> what did your Spotify rap look like? <laughs> oh, Ollie, I am an office singer uh, with a horrible tune. Uh, you can attest to that. Uh, <coughs> geez, I had everything from uh, Kanye. My son's into Kanye. Um, my daughter's into uh, Little Wayne. You know the uh, ride a horse Little Wayne song. Um, I don't know. I think my my wife's got an influence of rap in there somehow, which is scary. Uh, I then say we've got a bit of the Wiggles. There's not a lot of ownership on There's you. No, I, I, the, yeah, yeah, you know, like the songs. values <laughs> of Auctions Plus is, is yeah, blame others. No. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, for me, uh, what, it, what, what would I own on the playlist? Um, I love a little bit of, uh, like, the classics. Um, uh, you know, some of the country music classics. Achy Breaky Heart I would, would be my karaoke song. Um, and then, you know, anything country that's got a decent beat and it's a bit of a love song, you know, um, that I can sing along to, uh, cruising down the highway. So I couldn't tell you, I'm actually, you know, the funniest thing is Ozzy, Ollie, I, I sing, but I probably don't even know who the musician is or the name of the song. I've just listened to the same uh, playlist on repeat for tw- you know 12 months uh, so it's the same number of songs so yeah but yes love to sing but can't sing um i'm in that boat with you one final question it's a big one if every job paid the same what would you be i'd love to be a farmer if i'm honest with you um i like i love kind of 
being around nature. Um, I love, you know, walking bare feet on the grass, um, listening to the birds, um, you know, listening to the cattle, you know, um, in the grass or in pastures or, you know, I think that aspect of farming, I, I really love the, the romance of it. Um, I know there are some extremely tough times and it's huge. It's a really um, tough job at times, but I think, yeah, the, the elements of being surrounded by nature, um, mother nature would be pretty cool. So I'd say a farmer or, um, or for me would be like a, a national park ranger. Really? Know? Yeah. Um, we've, we've got a national park up where we live opposite us. Um, and you know, just the chance to kind of be on the trails again around, around nature. So, um, and preserving something for the greater good, which is community. Right. So, um, that's cool. Park ranger. Yeah. Um, I honestly thought you were going to say surfer or something. Surfer. <laughs> well, again, surfing's kind of like singing, Ollie. Like, think I can surf, but actually can't surf. <laughs> oh, so it was an honest answer, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't this. Someone, someone thinks I'm good at surfing, and it's the board's fault. No. <laughs> On you, your dream job to be a farmer, what's yep. your earliest, happiest memory around agriculture? Yeah, easy one. I grew up on a property on... In, nor- in northern New South Wales, um, it's a uh, property that's been in the um, family for you know four or five generations, and we were—I was fortunate enough to to grow up there when when Dad took it on, um, and I would say—and it's right up in the Barrington Top, so um, a lot of scrubby country, um, you know, down into some lovely creek flats. But for me, it would be um, on a horse as a youngster um, walking up on a kind of a goat track um, up in some of those big mountains. Um, well, at the time they were big mountains, but um, big scrubby kind of um, ranges that, that are up in the Barrington Tops. That to me, that's my happy place. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go back there, um, you know, as a five or a six year old, I'd, I'd be, I was so happy then and now as a, you know, Late thirties. <laughs> I'm holding on to it. I've told everyone I'm 35. I've been saying I'm 35 for three years. So late thirties. Um, uh, I. Well, maths is pretty good here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be just as happy. And so going through high school, you you're a very good rugby player, Australian schoolboys. <laughs> That's about the only mention we'll get there besides you beef Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I to be honest with you, I, I never actually played for the schoolboys. It was. Um, it was we just trained, you know. Like I was never actually. Oh, you didn't good. make the field. No, I never made the field. Oh. I was like a, you know, I was a. What do you call those guys? Like one of those tackling bags. Oh. <laughs> you know, like a human tackling bag. Oh, you've played the Wallabies in as the in yeah. The that's actually where we. Sh- so that's, that, that's, that's actually fine. where we yeah. should be. I I, I played the <laughs> ex Wallabies Wallabies yeah. um, at Beef Australia and came away. Um, Second best, let's just say that. I was sitting on two bags of heist with very bruised hamstrings. So leaving high school, you ended up becoming a journalist. But, like, what did you study and how did you... What led you down this path? I um, I went to... I started at Sydney University uh, studying ag science. Um, again, I, I wanted to be in agriculture. Um, and I wasn't 
the best at school, to be honest with you. I didn't get a great... Is it a UA... Uh, ATAR. ATAR. came out this morning yeah, for yeah, yeah. the next crop. Yeah, for the next crop. So congratulations to everybody. Um, but yeah, like I didn't, I didn't get the best ATAR. Um, and, but I wanted to be in, in ag. Um, and mum and dad had gone to Sydney Uni, so I thought, well, I'll follow what mum and dad did. And it was kind of the easiest path. And, and I could get in with my ATAR at the time into ag science. Mind you, I didn't study a science, uh, didn't do any science in year 10, 11 or 12 at school. So Logical. Logical, completely. But it had ag in it. Um, <laughs> so lo and behold, two years into ag science and of the first, let's say, 15 courses, I think three of them were specialist ag courses. The bulk of them were um, science-based courses. Uh, let's just say me and science didn't get on that well. Um, and so after two years of doing ag science at Sydney and having a lot of fun with and making some great mates, um, I kind of kicked myself up the arse and went to Bond University. Um, at Bond, I studied um, business commerce uh, and I honestly, I started to find my feet there. Uh, I think it was, it was two reasons. I was studying something that I enjoyed and I could get. Um, and the second reason is just the, it was a different way of learning uh, and a different type of learning. For me, you know, the, the 600 people in a classroom or a lecture theatre didn't really suit my, my learning style. I needed to be more hands-on, really quite practical, um, lots of discussion, lots of debate um, and learning through experience and Bond gave me that. And at the end of Bond... I was looking for a job and I started working for the Gold Coast Bulletin at the time. I had a little Vespa, so I'd drive, you know, uh, I was one of those beach boys um, in my board shorts on my blue Vespa, you know, cruising up the coast um, to the Gold Coast Bulletin, working part-time whilst I was finishing uni. And I just loved it. I loved the, I loved storytelling and I loved um, interviewing people. Uh, I loved that, that whole kind of idea of what you do really you know it's like talk to people and and just you know pick away at the onion layers of of their story so I love that element of it and so when I finished university I thought geez I'm going to travel the world and be a travel journalist and you know National Geographic was clearly top of the list um and realized uh yeah it takes you know 10 to 15 years to start writing for National Geographic um, or Monocle or one of those, you know, um, really well-known um, magazines. So with a love of storytelling and people, why'd, why'd you go away from it? The GFC hit and those that may not know is that um, both news and Fairfax and, and the media industry got um, completely obliterated during the GFC. Everybody's media spend and marketing spend and advertising spend just got cut. So therefore, uh, a lot of those big media companies had to right-size the business um, in response. And, and I was a part of that right-sizing and, and got made redundant um, during that time. And I and a job came up at, um, at MLA. And for me, it was, again, a fork in the road. Uh, I could keep pursuing pure journalism um, which I was loving or I could make a decision to kind of go back to you know agriculture which was very much my happy place 
um, and do a touch of the communication, the storytelling piece through communications. So yeah, I landed a job at, at MLA and I was at MLA in the communications team there for three, three and a half years, I think. And that, that job, um, and I know MLA, you know, people have mixed reviews of, of their experiences with MLA, but um, MLA is a wonderful company um, and a wonderful place to to build a career um, and, a, and they do some incredible things um, and you know not not getting into the political piece staying apolitical yeah I, I just I learned so much I had some wonderful mentors there um, I had Don Heatley as our chair at the time um, Scott Hansen um, Jason Strong uh, he was a, a regional rep there he's now the, obviously the MD David Peach um, you know uh, Peter Barnard Peter Weeks, just some, um, and now, and obviously Tim McRae, who I worked with as well, who now works at Auctions Plus. So just so lucky to work with so many kind of industry stalwarts at at once. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. I want to jump back to your, your piece around like university, the, the first shot at uni didn't really work out for you, but at what stage in your career did you really start to find your feet? Because I find one thing which I guess I've been really drawn to you in is I can draw parallels <laughs> in terms of careers and trying things, but at what stage in your career, like Bond ticked that first box of, okay, I've found my style, you went to the MLA and then you actually went outside of ag again. So at what stage did you start to find your groove and click and yeah, believe in yourself, I guess? Uh, I would say, um, yeah, going to Bond was the first kind of moment for me. The second moment would be I went down to Melbourne um, and I followed my heart, um, my love and now my beautiful wife Ellie um, down to Melbourne and we lived down there for four years and that was a chance to work in different kind of um, uh, sectors um, try different things I was away from family and friends you know that was that was a moment um, where I could start to find out who I was Um, so again it was not from a learning point of view I got that a bond I went down to Melbourne and I started to kind of, not knowing it at the time, reflect on who I was as a, as a, as a person. Um, so, and then I started doing my MBA um, whilst I was at Melbourne and I got probably a little bit more confidence in this, this muddled, um, crazy, chaotic brain of mine. Um, had some really good answers and could think a lot differently to others. And, um, but I just needed some frameworks to be able to put those ideas into, to be able to articulate them. So Melbourne was the second kind of moment. And then 
this, the third ollie, I think, was only recently, or, you know, like three years ago, um, where I'd say it, it clicked. Um, and I was listening to a podcast, which you had recommended to me, um, a guy by the name, Ash Barty's coach, um, mental coach. Ben Crow. Ben Crow. I was listening to one of his podcasts, and um, he was talking around... Um, you know, the definition of anxiety is trying to control things that are uncontrollable. Um, and I was so, I kind of had been on this journey with kind of two key elements, um, you know, from an education point of view, then from a life and a work experience point of view, and then from a personal point of view, when I, when I had my first child and I got married, to it all kind of coming to a pincer point um, yeah, about three years ago. And it was like, stop worrying what, what other people think and, um, and actually sit there and, and get comfortable in your own skin and, and focus on the things that you can control, which is, you know, your behaviours, your values, how you act um, and how you hold, hold yourself in society um, and around, around people. So it's been a journey. Uh, like there hasn't been any moments of like, aha, uh-huh, aha uh-huh moments. Yep. Uh, but it did start to really solidify about two years ago. And I would then say that solidification... Well, that crystallization is now kind of gives me a bit of an anchor um, and a bit of a foundation to continue to grow on. Like I'll, com- I, I, I want to keep having those aha moments of like, yeah, I've got this. Yeah, that is me. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I can do better. You know. So I think um, it's taken me a bit to get there. I'm, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> was it, was it deliberate? Like in terms of the actions, were you looking at so the, the Melbourne piece? Were you actually consciously putting things in place or seeing people to actually work out who you are. I find that bit fascinating. Yeah, I'd say some conscious, some unconscious. Uh, I think consciously because I wasn't completely comfortable. You know, I wasn't one of those people that um, that was like out of school. I know what I want to be. I know what I stand for. You know, um, this is the person I'm going to be in my in in the world, and I think there's, if you can do that coming out of school or by your mid twenties, amazing. Yeah. Um, and and hats off to you. But I do think there is a good portion of society that needs to go on a journey, and and I certainly was one. Um, and you know, probably a bit of a late bloomer, but um, no, it, it's a. Uh, at around late twenties, uh, when we started talking, really, to be honest with you, um, and and really getting to know one another was um i started to question my actions and my behaviors a lot more than i would have in the past i I was pretty laissez-faire about them and i'll call water off a duck's back and i'll just keep moving and i think a turning point there was um really starting to take some ownership in in my career uh really starting to take some some ownership in the people that i surround myself with um, you know, at, at that point, I was, you know, 18 months into a, into a relationship with with an incredible woman who continue who was just making me better. So, um, yeah, I think around 28, I consciously started doing it, um, and then I've done that over about a five-year period, and will continue to. It's um, it's interesting because I well, I find what I admire about you as a as a leader is this ability. Well, is the authentic Angus and the ability to embrace vulnerability. 
what are your thoughts on the like it's something that gets thrown around so much of this whole fake it till you make it piece <laughs> yeah I think um, I think it's like I'm a believer in it if I'm honest with you um, I think because it's something I struggle with you'd like you don't like doing it don't like faking it I find I would like sooner be like you know I just don't know and I don't know if that it's it's not like a, a quitter mentality earlier but it's like yeah no how I see fake it to make it is not lying that you're um, that you don't know fake it to make it in my mind is I've been thrown in the deep end what can I do to to make it right and so to make it is not putting a bucket on your head or being so arrogant that you are my way or the highway I'm right type approach I, I agree with you I don't I don't agree with that elements the f- I guess the faking a bit is okay who do I speak to that can teach me that um, being brave enough to ask for help um, being brave enough to say actually I don't know that answer I think that element of it is the maybe it's faking it's probably the, the wrong word now you've now you've pushed it back onto me um which is why I love the co- chatting with you. Uh, no, it's true. I think the, yeah, I think you have to be thrown in the deep end, but your approach to how you respond in the deep end is: Do I, am I just bullish and and arrogant and blind to my um, black spots, mm-hmm. um, or am I actually going to lean into those and be brave enough to ask for help? Um, it's probably. The second bit, I'm a big believer in, and I think you need to. I think you need to be, you need to be thrown in situations where you have to search for the answers, where you have to be brave enough to fail, where you have to be brave enough to, to ask for help. Yeah, no, and I, and I think well, we're, we're going to go down a path. I think here because it's when I was working under you, and I think it self confidence and that not actually knowing who I was and what I wanted to be was what. I'll say led to me becoming unstuck and challenging myself. But um, that thrown in the deep end, nothing more than being the CEO of a growing business at the start of COVID. Uh, with what was running through your head? Like park the, the business side, but on this faking it, turning up, being showing confidence in people in what was just a global shit show. <laughs> yeah, look, again... Um I think parking the faking bit, I think I use a phrase and I've said it to you is you make it up as you go along, right? Um, and that's probably the, the, the phrase that I, that I hold on to as opposed to fake it till you make it because making it up as you go along is you are faced with a, a situation, an environment, um, um, something that you don't know how to handle, global pandemic, right? Um, and I think you then have to deploy your knowledge, your experience, um, the people around you, um, your abilities to research and your abilities to use a bit of gut intuition. You know, it, it, you have to throw everything into the mixing bowl um, and come up with a blended answer or outcome. Um, so, yeah, I still remember Monday morning after S- Scotty had said, you know, COVID's here, um, we're going to go into lockdown. Um, 
we had board papers due, you know, within 48 hours, or I think that day. So sat down and the management team at, at the time in the boardroom and I said, everybody looked at me and said, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I said, let's go around the table and ask, what do you guys think we should do? Um, and I think, again, not being ignorant enough to be like, I have the answer, this is what to do. It's going, he's 12 mature um brave individuals they've got an opinion let's throw it into the mixing bowl Mm. um and we'll mix something up and we'll bake it and we'll all be behind it um that's probably the approach i take i took to COVID, and i do take to kind of when things are up at you which is kind of make it up as you go along right but you're not making it up alone that'd be the trick on the not making it up alone um, I've been fortunate to meet Ellie a few times. You've got a wife who's just an extraordinary businesswoman and mind in herself. And I think, like, when I've seen you talk uh, on other things, I think um, a side which many people wouldn't know is just how much of a rock Ellie is for you. What were some of the conversations and things happening in the background that y- you were be- leaning on Ellie for? Oh, uh. I mean, Ellie, you hit hit the nail on the head. She's my my absolute rock. Um, from a from a professional point of view, as much as personal. Um, I mean, she's got an established career and um, in her own right. Um, and I used her as a as somebody who's you know been in a C suite position before in, in in global companies and in startup companies, and and I bounce off her as a sounding board of the approaches that we are working through at work um and she is one of those voices that goes into the salad bowl um and i think um she's no stronger than than anybody else but but um and you know and and she has her biases you know she she's a lioness you know she'll she'll protect me to the cows come home which i'm so grateful for but she does have her biases but she has a really great way of removing all those biases and, and kind of hitting the black and white, the facts. Um, and so when I was feeling overwhelmed, when I didn't have all the answers, when the when I had been stirring that mixing bowl of ideas during COVID, um, she would kind of, you know, metaphorically grab the spoon out of my hand and be like, look, you know, you can't keep searching for answers. You kind of have to bake the cake with the information you've got. Um, so let's work out, you know, what you've actually got. And she would help, help me step through um, methodically, you know, what was in the mixing bowl when I was overwhelmed and stressed. So she, she gave me that, uh, she has that ability to kind of just extract the, the detail and the black and the white, which is great, and, and do it from an unbiased um, lens. And then emotionally, you know, it was a pretty pretty stressful time the first six months of COVID and, and um, you know, I didn't really leave leave the leave home for six months, you know. Um, there was a lot of pressure on the business to respond to growth. Keep in mind that it, it was coupled with uh, the changing of seasons. You know, we were coming out of drought. So um, COVID has been a, a huge enabler for Auctions Plus's growth, but also you know the good seasons like it just kind of was the perfect storm and so we had to ride ride that wave um so i had some big hours i was exhausted and she just rallied behind me um 
and I'm eternally grateful for that. And and then the third piece that that she she, she makes me a better person. You know, she um, Elle's gone through um, you know some some big growth businesses, and that has really stretched her um, kind of. Um, her mental resolve and you know and from a burnout point of view she's um she's got her own story there and but she is one person that is dedicated to getting herself as healthy from a mental and a physical point of view as possible um and setting those boundaries where she can be a high performer but she can also look after herself and 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 then because if she can look after herself then she can do a job great she can be, you know, a great mum and, and a husband, you know, a great, a great wife. So uh, she has a really, she's taught me that I need to look after myself. Um, and in doing so, you know, she makes me a better person. I love it. And so that's, that's Elle's influence. Yep. Four and a half years in as CEO of Auctions Plus, I've done my homework. Uh, how has being a CEO of this business over that four and a half years changed you as a person? I was very green when I started and I kind of, I, I had really big shoes to fill. I mean, Anna Spears is a, a close friend of mine and she's an absolute inspiration to me but to a lot of people in the industry. So I was pretty nervous stepping into those shoes and I, mm-hmm. and I dare say I, again, I, I carried the weight of expectation of others and, and that was my own self-talk, you know. I wouldn't say that the board or the industry or anybody put those expectations on me that was that was me putting them on myself and so um being able to work through through you know the reality of i can only control what who i am and and how i um approach work and 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 management and leadership um i that that is one thing that i've kind of been able to do um, and I think that's just time in the chair and experience and, and some getting really good people around you to have those genuine conversations that help you reflect on yourself and help sharpen the axe and, and make yourself a better person. So I think that's changed me. I'm, I'm now a lot more comfortable with who I am. I'm, I, I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I know, um, I know what I need to continue to work on. Um, and then I would say my leadership approach um, has also changed. I, um, you know, people talk about um, uh, leadership styles, but I think, and that you have to be adaptive. And yes, you do definitely have to be adaptive. Um, but it's probably more in a in a um, management style. I think you have to be adaptive. Um, I think finding um, finding your own leadership style um, and one that is authentically you, one that, that I've been able to do that. Um, so yeah, I've worked out who I am, and I've been able to find the leadership style that that works for me. So it's been a, a huge, a huge four and a bit years as CEO, and you've recently started the Australian Rural Leadership Program, which I'm so excited. I've I've wrapped up, and I just what you learn and the networks you build off of it. Uh, like, yeah, I I feel so lucky that I've had the chance to do it early on in my career, and I think at a time which has probably been a really pivotal point for me in terms of change but also anchoring I like that word that you used before because I actually feel like now I'm at the point of putting those anchors down like it has been god 12 years basically since leaving school I think I've lived in probably nearly 20 different houses nearly every state in Australia Canada like it's and so now 
pulling back. But it's a huge undertaking to do. So, like, you've done huge amounts of self-development and your self-awareness has grown. So what was it that, like, drove you to apply for the Rural Leadership Program? Yeah, I, again, it's um, a lot of the, the self-reflection and the, um, and, the, and the personal development has been um, kind of driven by me, you know, um, with the help of a really supportive um, uh, team at Auctions Plus and, and, um, and, and my wife. What I wanted to do was to expand that level of feedback um, and to be able to go deeper, um, I think uh, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say like every one of um, the people that I am you know I am working with um, from a personal or professional point of view have their biases, um, and I wanted to go into an environment where those biases could be re- really removed, and it's just a lot more raw. Um, I'm sure you've experienced it. Like there's there's no baggage there's no um there's kind of nothing hidden there's you know nobody takes any certain lens into it um and and i can tell you from the two trips that we've had um geez it's like that the feedback um has sharpened me you know so much deeper and maybe polished me quicker than kind of perhaps over the last four years has. Um, and that's just a, and I guess that's the environment that they want to create is they want to expedite that sharpening of personal reflection and refinement and improvement, um, you know, and they certainly are, you know, they're, they're fast tracking it over a 12 month period. Um, and, and that's what urged me to kind of, to take the leap. On the topic of feedback, <laughs> I was trying to think. Maybe I'll use the I'll use the feedback framework. Yes, because it's going to lead into my next question. But I think so. One thing I love about how, in terms of how you give feedback, it, like just the ability of through the program is that it it neutralizes anything, so you can actually get constructive and honest really quickly. And I think for me, huge parts of it was that actually understanding where I am as a most effective leader. And so I think for you, one thing which I'd say I admire on you is that vulnerability and, and the enthusiasm that you bring. Um, I've, I've noticed that in a professional context, you can become somewhat, no, not scattered is not the right word. You, you can um, cover lots of different areas and maybe not necessarily go deep. deep. So my gift to you on this is that I think where you are so powerful is when it is that you're going deep and just really focusing in on one thing. So I'd love to see you do that more. <laughs> you're not supposed to say anything, are you? So thank you. No, thank you. Uh, no, that's true. No, it's a good gift, Ollie, and it's. Um, I think I'm. Part of it is, if I'm really honest with you, it's probably a, a little bit of confidence, you know. And I think um, I, I had some feedback on the ARLP saying you know just um, similar feedback that you you know um, know a lot you know contribute a lot but um, you know stay quite at a at a high level um, mm-hmm. and we were in a group and we we started to 
dive quite deeply into some of the tough, tougher subjects um, and some of the leadership topics. And I had some feedback saying uh, literally that was from one of the, the people on the group saying, my gift to you is I, you know, I always thought, oh, is Angus just saying all this stuff t- to say it? Um, but essentially it was take the opportunity to take it down the tiers because you you do have that experience and that knowledge base. It's To be honest with you, Ollie, it's just a, one of the things I've taken out of the RLP is just to have confidence in myself. You know, as I said to you, like, I had the epiphany of about three years ago of not worrying what other people thought, mm. but I still have to work through that I got confidence in and conviction in my opinions. Something to work on. Yeah. Well, and I find it, well, not surprising. Like, I can... I could see where people come from that, but I also think, like, yeah, how you how you know yourself, I, I think yeah. it allows you to go deep into those areas. I just don't, I don't for whatever reason. It's again, it's it's that putting the polish on me, and that's, and I don't think, um, un, until you're in an environment where you are, you know, so close with a group of strangers that become your best friends, mm. that you can actually get that really solid feedback. Um, yeah, so no, I agree. So on that, what are you going to start saying no to? Maybe not specific examples, but how are you going to find that focus and go deep on different areas, whether it's professionally or personally? For me, it's been... The first thing it's been doing is... Um, professionally, is, is, is getting uh, some capability and capacity around me. Um, I think I've been... You know, you get to a point where you just get stretched too thin and... You know, we've talked about that. You feel like you've got a thousand balls in the air and you're kind of, you're, you're not necessarily being as effective as you could be or you should be. Even though, you know, you can be, you're not. So yeah. first thing for me was getting some capabilities and capacities into the business and we've done that. Um, it's now an effective onboarding of those people and, um, and, and I'm right in the transition of letting go mm-hmm. and now picking up stuff that I can go deep on so that's professionally definitely um, the second piece is personally is um, is letting go um, and not feeling guilty because you know it's that balance of um, working harder not working smarter not harder um, there's a habit there which I think COVID kind of created, which is like, just go, go, go. The harder you work, the more you produce. The harder you work, the more you produce. So Mm. I think from a personal point of view, that habit rolled into my personal life and it's actually going, no, you know, I'm going to take the kids to school, you know, X mornings a week. I'm going to go for a surf X morning a week. Um, I'm reading that book, um, Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, my alarm set at 5.30 and, and I get up and I do some physical exercise. Like I've, you know, I've got to get my health um, sorted um, and I've got to look after myself so I can, I can be a better person. So I think it's, I've got two things that I'm going deep on. The first is my health. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is um, stepping back and empowering a team as opposed to being that overreaching, kind of controlling chaos type leader. leader. Um, they're the two things that I'm working on. So that's the what you're going to let go of yep. and what you're going to grow. Yep. What are you going to keep? 
Stop, start, keep. Um, what am I going to keep? I think I'm going to keep... Um, keep being me. Um, I know like, that's very cliche, but... Uh, like, just keep talking. You know, keep asking for feedback. Keep looking to um, improve myself. Uh, uh, during COVID, you... Yes, there was a lot of personal ref- reflection, which has been great, but I have to say, you know, you, when you're in a chaotic state, you know, you don't evolve and grow and you don't take feedback on as probably best as you should. Um, so I think... Um, I, I stopped kind of taking on... I was seeking the feedback, but I wasn't embedding it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm going to keep the personal growth, um, but then the grow is the actually take it on. I love it. Um, I've got a couple of questions I want to finish on. Yep. One is just around your... So you've always had this love of agriculture. You live in a really unique spot. It's kind of this little hub where... You, yeah, John Mars, Richard Rains, Angus Streets. <laughs> Don't put me in that bucket. <laughs> but what is the best thing about being, like living on the northern beaches but still being involved in agriculture? Um, my wife's from northern New South Wales. She's from Inverell and I'm obviously from northern New South Wales as well. And we both have this craving for a, a local community, um, like a local village. Um, you know, I had um, small country towns and, and that's kind of what, Avalon is to Ellie and I is that small country town um, so I think that would have to be I mean it's a beautiful spot to live it's it's um, you know the beach is on one side and pit water's on the other and yes it's it's all beautiful but it's that it's got a small country town vibe and a question we ask everyone who comes on the podcast you get the chance to go and chat to year 10 students what's your advice to them about the opportunities and why they should consider a career in agriculture I think it's because you can have an impact in a sector that is a foundational pillar to our world, food, right? You talk about food is a critical resource that we all need. Um, And for me, like, if you want to add value to society or to to your community at a local level, whatever it is, I think, you know, be a part of food production or food manufacturing or food supply chain. Um, you feel, gives you a really good feel-good factor. It definitely does. Well, Streety, thank you so much for coming and having a chat. It's been a long time in the in the waiting and um, I love the chats that I have with you. I love having the chance to learn from you and I think it's kind of fitting that this, on my last day in Sydney I actually got the chance to sit down and have a chat to you and know that I'll still be coming back a lot and leaning on you. So <laughs> thank you. Oh, Ollie, it's, um, as I said, it's an absolute honour and a privilege to, to be lined up against the, the people you've had before. And I love sitting down and, and having a yarn with you, um, whether it be here in North Sydney or on the balcony or at a coffee shop, wherever it is, or, you know, the boardroom of Auctions Plus, I think. What you're doing is a, a pretty incredible thing. And I think being brave enough to, to take a leap of faith and, and do what you're doing, um, you should be pretty proud of what you've achieved and what you're going to achieve. You know, keep kicking goals. Um, keep making a difference. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Job done. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Humans of Agriculture. Hopefully through Ollie and Angus's reflections, you were able to have some of your own. Definitely got me thinking about career paths and just how unexpected they can be, as well as just staying true to what my own values are. Here at Humans of Ag, we hope you have a wonderful holiday season. We've got one more episode coming your way next week. To sit down with Naomi and I, who you might have met, we're both Ollie's recent hires. And both of us got the chance to ask Ollie some questions about all things humans of agriculture through all of 2022. So catch you then. Happy holidays, everyone.